What's up, everyone? This is uh, Dipped in Tone Podcast, episode 1. Point five because we already recorded this and we screwed it up. But yeah, well, we didn't. Our our, our uh, machinery failed us. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so. Uh, I'm Rhett. I'm Zach, and we are hosting this podcast together. This is something we wanted to start doing for quite some time, actually. Yeah. Um. How did this? How did this all start? It was all on on Instagram, right? This is all because like we uh, invade each other's live streams on Instagram and then just completely ignore anyone saying anything to us and just have private conversations in public about guitar stuff. And, uh, yeah, we've, we, uh, we don't hold back for the most part. We kind of like, uh, give our honest opinions on stuff and I think people appreciate it. So we thought we should make this a a thing. Yeah. It's become every time I see you live, just about, uh, I jump on your stream hijack it. Um, and it becomes a private conversation in public (laughs) Yeah, 100% of the time. Uh, a lot of hot takes, a lot of opinions, um, things that aren't th- things that are said that are not always thought through fully before said. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I guess that's the definition of a hot take. And so actually this this came from some of you guys commenting mm-hmm. on those live streams just saying, "Hey, you guys should start a podcast." And we were like, "You know what? We should start a podcast because that would be sweet." Yeah, and so we can't just we record it on our phones. We're not going to be that cheap so we had like i I bought a 300 hundred dollar microphone just because i want to look like joe rogan and be cool uh so yeah we we did we i mean he Rhett, you already had all the stuff so I, i'm i'm just playing catch up but i'm excited because i yes. need a, i need a creative outlet instead of just like hunching over my desk soldering all day which is exhausting yes. so and i need one more thing to take on <laughs> just uh, add it because i to the pile yeah add it to the pile i'm not spinning enough uh plates already in terms of content production but i think we've got a pretty good system worked out here, or we will have a pretty good system worked out here. Uh, so we should point out that this is not just an audio podcast. This is also a video podcast. So this is going to be on YouTube. We have mm-hmm. a new YouTube channel that we just started uh, like 10 minutes before this first episode went up. So yeah. uh, it's dipped in tone podcast on YouTube. Sorry. That's my plumbing. Everyone. <laughs> I work out of a closet. <laughs> um so yeah, Dipped in Tone podcast on YouTube. We're going to be uploading weekly episodes. You can also email us, dippedintone at gmail.com. So what's the email for? Email for, is for uh, topic suggestions, questions. Yep. We're going to have a yep. few different segments throughout the show, and it's going to develop over time. We're also going to have some guests on. Yeah. But the overarching theme here is uh, sort of our take on not just the guitar world, but the music world in general and and how we perceive it. So under that sort of umbrella is going to be, we're going to talk about gear, we're going to talk about music, we're going to hot takes on news and current events, we're going to have guests on, we're going to do do gear uh, reviews, which we'll get to this one in in just a minute here. Uh, (laughs) There's my plumbing again, sorry guys. yeah, so subscribe on YouTube. This is also going to be hosted everywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. So Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play. I don't think we're going to do a website or anything like that. No. But. You could, like, I know so little about podcasts. You could just name websites that supposedly host podcasts, and I'll be like, oh, yeah, I'm sure we're there, too. <laughs> Pod Central. Pod we're on, S- we're on, uh, City. Potty Central. We're on... Uh, pod town i'm sure I'm, these are probably taken they have to they be probably taken. are taken yeah uh so anyways that's it this is dipped in tone we should talk about the name dipped in tone right uh, and where it comes from because it's kind of a unique story and it, i think it's unique to both of us individually so yeah, what, what it, is what does it come from zach well so you and i both um we're from the south and there's all these great phrases that we've heard growing up and and something that I'd always heard growing up was, well, I'll be dipped. And I never really understood where that came from until, uh, for those that don't know, I make pedals. And before I make pedals, I used to work at Carter Vintage Guitars. And Steve Earle was in the, the shop one day, and we showed him a guitar, and he said, well, I'll be dipped in shit. And I was like, that's where that comes from. And Rhett and I started talking about that phrase and immediately, like, sort of laughing like idiots and say it about everything now. So it's kind of like this inside joke, but that I thought that would be funny name from, for a podcast because we always say that phrase and we love talking about 
just the most unnecessary guitar thing. So we're dipped in tone. So that's yeah. Yeah, I, I heard it too because the only other time I've ever heard I'll Be Dipped was from one of my best friends, Ian, who mm -hmm. I play music with. And uh, Ian's from the upstate of South Carolina. And uh, he always uh, he always said, you know, I'll be I'll be dipped in shit. Right. I'll be dipped. And I didn't hear it growing up because I grew up just outside of Atlanta. And Atlanta's not really the South, you know? I mean, it well, is. That's like saying it, Florida's not the South. I'm like, hold on, no. <laughs> well, it, Atlanta is the capital of the South, right? But it's, right. you know, Atlanta and Atlanta, the metro Atlanta area. When, if you're not from the South, the stereotype that you have in your head of a Southerner isn't really Atlanta. Right. Uh, no, now, no. Now it is Sparta, Tennessee. Yeah. It is yeah. the upstate of South yeah. Carolina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the, where, where Zach is from. Yeah. Yeah. M Middle Tennessee, uh, out like, you know, an hour away from Nashville's. Uh, a lot of coveralls, a lot of pickup trucks, you know, uh, a lot of, a lot of, um, weird things in your yard, you know, broken cars yeah. and stuff. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the, I'll be dipped thing. Just, it was something that you and I connected on because I haven't heard other than my friend Ian, I've never heard anybody else say it other than you. And I love the story that you heard the entire phrase from Steve Earle of all right. people for the first time. I, I had no idea that that was the entire phrase. I just thought, well, I'll be dipped. I thought that was the whole thing. And then when I heard that, I was like, oh, okay. It all makes, makes a lot sense, more sense now. now. <laughs> yeah, I will be dipped in shit. There That's you go. <laughs> but man, yeah. Uh, also, we are going to aim to make this a f somewhat family-friendly show. This is going to be a, we'll call it a PG-13 show, okay? Yeah. So, Ish. you know, if you got kids, we're not going to we're not gonna get go out of control or get vulgar or anything, but uh, we're also not going to be super clean. That's right. We'll just keep it, you know, reasonable. Like, yeah. if you overheard someone at the next table at a restaurant, whenever you can go back to restaurants, you'd be like, ah, well, that's fine. They're not, you're not yeah. going to tell your waiter on them or Listen, your kids are going to learn eventually. That's right. They might as well learn from Uncle Zach and Rhett. How about that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway. Anyways. All right. Well, so current events. What's going on in the uh, the guitar musical world this week? Not Zachary. a whole lot. You know, like there's been a lot of things that have happened that we uh, we missed the boat on because my computer is, is dumb and old. But the thing that, that I've been seeing a lot of on Reverb, and, and this is um, – something that they've done for a while. They're starting to do like these curated artist stores. They did one with Green Day and they, they've done a few uh, mm -hmm. other ones, but they just recently announced they're doing one with Brian Setzer and they're doing one with Jack White. And I don't know about you, but for me, when I see that stuff and I watch the video and it's like shows them like talking about the guitars or the amps or whatever, I'm like, oh, I really want to try and buy that. But I know in my heart of hearts that I don't need any of that stuff. It's just like the excitement of trying to own something celebrity owned That's kind of cool already is right. uh, really enticing to me. So, but does the celebrity owned thing increase the value at all for you? Or is it like, would you pay? All right, let's say, uh, <laughs> let's say Zach white. That's what I almost said. Let's say Jack white, uh, had a, a three thirty five. Right. Just a, a Memphis made US this guitar. Okay. This this is a 2010 right, showing Memphis off. made. Yeah, 335. Great guitar. I just made a video about it. But for all intents and purposes, you know, it's nothing special. It's not vintage. Mm. It's not a custom shop. It's you know, so what would this be worth on reverb right now as it is? Like what, twenty two hundred bucks maybe? Something yeah, like twenty twenty five ish, yeah. Yeah. So but if this was uh Jack White's three thirty five would you how much would you pay for that guitar well i mean jack white is like i like jack white uh i like some of his stuff he's not the most like exciting person for me to like try to buy some gear from i actually was really excited about brian setzer so if it was like someone i really admired i could see maybe spend another 500 bucks or something mm. um mm -hmm. you know if it was like that guitar for 10 grand i'd be like no never ever 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 but you know I think that's reasonable. It, you know, if it comes with some sort of certificate of authenticity, um, it does add value to the instrument because it's not like, you know, they're a nobody and someone right. out there would find that like appealing and interesting. If it's, if it's already a good instrument, like the one thing that I think is good about this is like, it's, they're actually instruments that these people used or at least had. It's right. not like, have you ever gone to those like souvenir stores in a mall that have all the signatures and they'll have like a squire or a Starcaster with yep. a, a, a signed pit guard that they just went to a backstage thing and it's yep. like a thousand dollars or something ridiculous. Yep. 
like that is just ludicrous. But you know, buying one of Brian Setzer's like personal model guitars that he gigged with to me is like that's really cool. And I would love to be able to do something and like buy a buy a piece like that. But you know, I'm not going to. But I just really get really excited when I see those videos. I don't know. I don't know shit about sports, but. I imagine it's a lot like the sports memorabilia. So when I when I was growing up, I had a neighbor across the street. Um, it was an older couple, Jack and Connie. Dude, they were the coolest people. My my first job growing up was <laughs> they literally hired me one summer. I must have been like twelve or thirteen years old, and uh, they came over to my my house and and rang the doorbell and told my mom they're like, "Hey, uh, we need some yard work done, and we'll pay Rhett." 20 bucks to come do it. Mom was like, great. And get him out of here. It, get him out of here. And that became like my first job. I, I was their yard boy for like three or four years. I, and it, it wasn't like, oh, hey, rake some leaves and, you know, cut the grass. It became, I was essentially landscaping for them. Right. Hey, I, we got three tons of mulch and we need to spread and we're going to do these rocks and everything. But they were so cool. And in their basement, I remember they had, it was essentially a museum in their mm. basement. It was like, uh, they had a, a pair of boxing gloves that Muhammad Ali had used and signed. Oh, they had wow. a bunch of baseball jerseys that were signed, a bunch of football stuff. I mean, again, I don't know shit about sports. So I don't know who, right. who was what and whatever, whatever. But I imagine it's a similar thing with the guitar stuff. And I agree if it's like, all right, so for me, Jason Isbell is one. Right. If, if there was a, if his, his uh, whatever, that gold top Duesenberg that he's played for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. I could see that going for, you know, a pretty substantial amount of money and that to me would be interesting because it's like okay it's it's well documented i've seen i've personally seen him play it before right yeah live there's plenty of video and documentation online of him actually using it that makes a lot more sense now how much more would it be worth <sighs> who knows man there's yeah. a whole other market there so it's like is the artist alive are they yeah. still working you know it, it, it's a deep rabbit hole, and, and oh man, <clears throat> without naming names, I've had some friends. Well, not friends. I, there's people I know that have had celebrities just literally touch an instrument that they own, or maybe like sit down and play it unplugged, like an electric guitar or bass, and they want just an obscene amount of money. Like no person on earth would ever spend this amount of money and i just don't get the mindset but i know a lot of people have that i mean like but for me it's just like more about the story and the connection with the artist that is pretty cool and appealing but it, I, I think it's cool that's reverb that reverb is doing this uh, i'm sure we're going to see a lot more of it um but i don't know well the question the question i have is on the the money front is it all going to the artist or is it like a charity thing How how does that work I don't. I th there, I've seen some people do some, you know, donating in the profits, but uh, I think most of them are just people selling, just you know, selling gear to clear out closet space or something. Yeah, right. So closet <clears throat> space. I just imagine Jack White living in some old beat up farmhouse. <laughs> it's a barn. In in a barn, and he's just got a bunch of closets full of old, uh, you know, airlines and. Silver tones and stuff. It's like, just like really uh, fancy furniture that he just like lays around <laughs> on and like plays acoustic guitar and writes songs. Oh man, yeah. I, I okay. met him. I met him once at Carter, and like I I had no idea it was him. He came in, and I was super busy. It was like it wasn't a busy day, but I was just being run ragged by a few uh, customers, and um, he was just wearing like normal person clothes. Yeah, he wasn't in a three-piece tweed suit. <laughs> no, like he was like totally. It's like a t-shirt and jeans and like a ball cap. And I, I he was asking me questions. He was super nice, and I was just kind of like, yeah, you know, it's like this and this, and this like kind of like blew him off. And I didn't really mean to, um, but when he was leaving, he was like checking out, and I, I looked at his face, and I was like, oh my god, <laughs> you're Jack White. And he talked to me for a minute, and he was just he couldn't have been nicer. So it was, I've, I've actually heard like that about dick. him before that he yeah. is. A pretty pretty straight ahead kind of guy, which I really respect. Um, yeah, yeah. There's, it's so easy, especially someone of that level and someone who's been famous for that long. It's so yeah. easy to be, you know, stuck up your own. I feel like we're getting. If I say ass here, we're gonna we're gonna start <laughs> encroaching on that PG thirteen limit. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, <laughs> we need the, to start keeping a tally going. of yeah the the VU <laughs> meter is starting to creep over a little bit. Uh, but yeah, yeah. Well. But nice. yeah. Uh, so we got a couple topics here. 
Yes. We did some prep work. Okay. We didn't just turn on the cameras and start talking. We've got some we've got some prep work done. I I, I, what I have I, a I have an email draft that I just keep like filling up until like the day of and then I email yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, that's good. So I, I want to continue with this gear selling thing because this is an interesting mm. topic, and this is something that I want uh, the listeners or the viewers to get involved in. So if you're on YouTube, you can comment down below. We will re- be reading and responding to the comments. Um, gear we regret selling, mm-hmm. or how many times have you bought the same thing over and over, even though you hate it? Now that's two <laughs> different questions. Yeah. The first one is gear you regret selling. I I have one thing that really sticks out, but I want to hear uh you and I've never talked about this, so I want to hear your yeah. your list here. The only thing I, I only have one guitar. No, that's not that's not true. I have I have a guitar and an amp that I really wish I had kept. I had a, an RO, a black uh, ebony 1960 reissue Les Paul. That was my first custom shop guitar ever. And it was just phenomenal it was an incredible guitar it had a thin neck but it wasn't like an sg it was really playable and just a resonant really great sounding guitar you know even unplugged and after i got my r9 you know a black les paul sitting next to a super flamey burst is like it looks so boring and stuff and so i eventually sold it and uh, I sold it I think on the Les Paul forum or my Les Paul or one of those and I sold it without any um, hardware it was just the guitar like I, they, they didn't want anything on it because they already had all the upgraded like bridge and pickups and pickup rings wait, and wait, stuff wait wait what do you mean like it was a complete guitar you didn't just sell like a blank body I, I, I pulled all the I think I might have left like the tuners and the bridge assembly but they didn't want any electronics or anything that just in in the plastic they had all that to get it at a, a more reasonable price um oh. i sold it just as like a husk basically in in the case so you parted out your les paul well you know i i mean all of my guitars except for the the novo i i, I hot rod them immediately so that guitar the all the stock parts had long been sold on ebay you know mm. so um so yeah, I just sold it at this as this husk, and when I was packing it up, it just like really broke my heart, and I, I, I should have said no, I can't do this, but I think about that guitar all the time, um, and I wish I kept it. And I had a Doctor Z, Z Rec in mm. the, the silver, the quantum silver with the flame yep. maple valence. <sighs> Shouldn't have sold that. It was amazing. It's the loudest. It's so stupid loud, but. Just what a sound, man! The train wreck thing in with Doctor Z's touch is just magic, and I don't know. I wish I wish I still had it. So. That's that's on my list. A Z wreck is on my list of of amps. Uh, well, well, for, now for they some... make the Junior. Uh, yeah, but I want the. I mean, you, know. you want the full the full whack. <laughs> yeah, well, it makes a lot more sense now because of things like the Ox and the Torpedo Captor X. Like you can, oh you yeah, can, it's now way more feasible to own a hundred watt plexi or a right. 75 watt how much how how powerful are z-rex i don't even know it's it's 30 watts clean so it's rated at 30 watts until it distorts then the the rms rating doesn't really he doesn't account for that dude so that's it's, like sorry yeah. i didn't mean to cut you off but that's like this amp right here yeah it's divided rated by the same at, way it's rated at 37 watts there is no way in hell that amp is 37 watts i, I don't understand how z gets the volume out because like that was just it's uh four EL84s, you know, so it's like a Vox sort of thing, but just, God almighty, it was insane. The day I got it, I drove to Nashville. I bought it like a few months after they were released, so I paid like full, you know, retail for it. Um, I drove home, and I had a bar gig that night, (laughs) and literally, I like took it, because later I bought, you know, like an air brake attenuator and had all that, but that night I didn't have any of that, and so... I was like setting up for the gig and I was turning the volume. And as soon as it started to make noise, it was loud enough for the entire gig. So I was like, well, I don't know. I'll have fun with this. <laughs> but those are, so, those are the two things I really regret selling. So, Well, and then what about the follow-up to that question? Things that you've bought over and over, but even though you hate them. And now that's interesting because I don't, I don't well, think not hate. Hate's experience. a strong word, but like, you try something over and over and over thinking this one will be different, you know? Mm. Uh, 
for me, it's strats. I've bought so many strats over the years. And I, I mean, I have a squire now that's just like hangs in the garage that I don't worry about, but I, I keep coming back to it though. Like every time I sit down and play a strat, I'm like, okay, I do that one strat thing. I play a strat like Steve Ray Vaughan, John Mayer. Like the, that's all, that's the only thing I can really get out of it. You know, when I, when I go to play one, but I love the way they look and I do like the sound, but every time I own one, I just never play it. Um, yep. But but even still, like Carter, they'll post like pictures. They have like a rosewood uh, neck shell pink like custom shop strat right now, and it's mm. beautiful. But I know I'll never play it, so I I just I keep getting pulled in. It's like some sort of bad relationship thing. <laughs> it's an it's an abusive relationship. <laughs> yeah, like, it'll be different this time, man. I promise. The strat we're we're gonna get it this time. I have a complicated yeah. relationship with strats too. Yeah. Um. Right now, I'm on a pretty big strat kick. Because mm-hmm. I realized I made a video about this a few weeks ago, but I, I think all strats just they they sound better and play better in E flat, and we should yeah. just as a guitar community should just accept that hey E flat should be the standard for a Stratocaster, and you know you can play whatever tuning you want, but I I just I just think they sound so much better in E flat. So it's it's interesting how different just that a little amount of tuning difference makes for the entire instrument. Yep. Uh, it's, yep. Pretty, it's pretty crazy. So I I have a, an interesting thing. I've, I've sold quite a bit of gear over the years, sold a handful of guitars, sold a bunch of pedals and stuff. There's really not a lot of things that I regret selling, which I, I count myself really lucky because uh, for the most part, I sit and think I, I don't impulse buy or impulse sell very often. I, I really think about something and if I want to sell something, I'm like, all right, well, let me let me think about it for a week and I'll come back in a week and see how I feel. And most times that urge has passed by then. Right. Now, there's been a few things. The the first thing that comes to mind for me that I truly regret selling is uh, some recording equipment. I had a pair of um purple audio mc 77 so those are 1176 clones compressors which are for guitar is crazy good that's like i think the compressor to have for electric guitars you know you send your amp through them the color that they add uh is it's just really really nice really good analog sort of warmth kind of thing i had a pair of them and it came from um, a few years, oh, it was probably six or seven years ago now, uh, my dad was on Craigslist and found a guy local to me here in Atlanta who, as a as a side hustle, just as a hobby, he is this guy, he's really nice. I've met him before. His name's Mike, and um, he has a really great job. He's in sales, so he has, I think, more money than he knows what to do with. And right. as a side hustle, as a hobby, he goes and buys out old recording studios or studios that are shutting down and then buys all the gear and then sells it all. He's constantly got like really good stuff. If you look at his Mm. thing on Facebook marketplace, he's always got really good mics and stuff for sale. So he had just started, um, he had just bought out the studio, New Jersey and he was selling the whole thing. And my dad found it and we went up there and we got a pair of Jersey. No, 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 no. So this oh, guy, oh. he drove to Jersey, oh, bought oh, the oh. studio, and drove back down to Atlanta. <laughs> okay. So we went to his house, and he just literally, dude, in his basement had just a pile of stuff. Mm. So uh, at the time, this is when um, one of the artists I play for, Noah, we were moving Noah's studio into the basement. And we had uh, Noah's brother, Ian, the friend of mine, I'll be dipped, mm-hmm. um, had a 40-channel Ramza console, a 1970 eight ramza i think it was an s840 console it's an old monitor desk from the 70s and this desk toured with scanner it toured with 38 <laughs> special it had history and cool. so we had a, a console in the basement and this is actually where we made noah's second record the valley was was in the basement here and uh so we were buying some recording gear and so i borrowed some money from my dad and we got it was a really good deal it was such a good deal that this guy ended up calling us later and was like hey um, I did the math wrong and sold you this stuff for way less than what I paid for it. And my Oops. wife is pissed. <laughs> and we were like, oh, man, that sucks. Uh, sorry. <laughs> you know? Buy so, her some wine and chocolate. 
Yeah, I think we ended up working something out where I think I I paid him an extra like hundred something bucks or whatever, and he just chalked it up as a loss. But mm. anyway, I had these MC seventy sevens. I had them for years. Um, but the way it worked out was I ended up when we kind of dissolved the studio and all the gear. I ended up with all the compressors and stuff, but I had no mic preamps. And this is mm-hmm. when I was doing, you know, my YouTube channel to start up. I was recording a lot here at the house. And um, I had four channels of compression, but no good mic preamps and a cheap interface. So I ended up selling the MC77s uh, to buy my first pair of mic pre's. And now looking back, I should have just kept them, dude. Right. Like, you know, they, they were so good and they looked cool. They sounded great. And, uh, so I've looked at buying them again, but God, I just don't want to drop the money yeah. to buy something I already had, you know? Yeah. I, you know, I, I do that a lot with pedals. Like I'll, I buy and sell stuff and, and I'll always come back to something. And I think, you know, this time I'll, I'm going to keep it. And then I end up selling it and then I want it again. Uh, I do that a lot. Uh, that, that's actually a good segue to one pedal. I've done that a lot with. Ah, uh, the old the venerable tube screamer. Rhett's right. favorite. Here's the deal. I don't like this pedal. Have you played that one yet? No, not yet. Okay. Um, but I've played these before. It's a TS9, Ibanez mm-hmm. TS9, um, that Zach bought and sent me because we are working on a video together. Mm-hmm. The, the basic premise here is, so I don't like tube screamers they're 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 great i get it it's just not my thing it right. the mid-range kind of thing that they do i'm not a fan of i'm not a strat player you know i'm i, I like humbuckers and p90s i don't think right. these work great with humbuckers or p90s i'm sure there's a lot of people out there that disagree with me um, that's all i, I play that's all i play <laughs> well yeah so there you go and and i do like mid-scooped amps as mm. well right which these tend to work pretty well for but yeah for whatever reason i've always preferred blues breaker circuits over mm-hmm. the tube screamers yeah so what what's the uh, what's the premise here zach what are we what are we doing with this so um mine i should say this one is well modified this is an analog man one um that i bought on ebay for like super cheap but um i want you to play it because i think like the tube screamer. I think a lot of people pigeonhole the tube screamer into being um, just a Steve Ray Vaughan thing. You know, it's like it's right. just like the Texas blues guitar tone, and that's not what it's done. Like so many people have used this on so many different records and so many different styles of music um, that I think it's just a really great overdrive. That most people make the mistake of running the overdrive too high mm-hmm. and not using it as a boost. I think as a booster, it's fantastic. So I think why what makes it a great booster? Well, because okay, it makes a great booster hitting hitting an already slightly driven amp. I think uh. into a clean amp, it's it. I understand why people don't like it, but I think if you're already playing something that's got a little bit of push, when you use this as a boost, it works really well because it slightly cuts the bass, it pushes the mids, which is where the guitar kind of lives. And you can tailor the high end to taste. It's not like, I mean, I don't feel like these pedals are overly bright. Hmm. Um, but just using it to kind of like tighten up and punch up a sound as more of like a solo booster or the next level of gain, not necessarily a, you know, using it as a clean or a dirty sound. Um, it's great for that. But I know a lot of people that hate it too. So what I want to do is you play that that I sent you and then you're going to send it back to me, and we're going to mod it. And uh, All right. well, I, I'm going to mod it. Yeah, and, I, I, I'm not going to mod anything. <laughs> and I'm going to try and make it the – if there ever was a Tube Screamer for you to like, this one will be the one. So so how my, here's my next question. I know I like Blues Breakers. Yeah. So what's what's the difference between a Tube Screamer and a Blues Breaker in terms of, you know, not not super – granular detail here but overall what's the main difference between a blues breaker circuit and a tube screamer circuit yeah so um a blues breaker i mean they're both soft clipped overdrives um excuse me they both have um almost the same style op amp um they function basically the same tube screamers have an input and output buffer to 
you know, boost the level, you know, change the impedance and stuff like that. But um, basically, they the biggest difference is how the tone control works. A, a tube screamer has an active kind of like filter section. That's what the tone knob is. Right. Um, whereas a blues breaker is just a, it's more like a guitar knob, like a, a tone knob on a guitar. It's just a passive uh, roll off with a cap. Um, really simple. Uh, that's partly why so many original blues breakers, well, all original blues, blues breakers are so quiet because they have a passive uh, right. tone knob that just sucks all your volume. Um, but it's, you know, where where the uh, the game knob is put in the circuit is a lot different. They're both still soft clipped, but the biggest thing is just how it's filtered uh, and how the, the tone knob interacts with the rest of the circuit because the tube screamer is rolling off. It has like, you know, a specific uh, high pass filter to roll off bass and, you know, and do all that. So um, it, yeah, th- th- that's the biggest difference. Um, so we're not going to, symmetric- we're not going to get to the point where we modify it so much that it ends up being more of a blues breaker than a tube screamer. Right? Well, you know, <laughs> I've done mods um, and this is like diving way deeper than I was intending to for your video. So I think this is good. I've done mods where you actually change the tone circuit in this to a passive tone control. Mm. And then all the mids come back all of the, really all the character that makes it sound tube screamery goes away. Um, because then what you have is an op amp that's pushing the gain and then an op amp that's just an amplifier. And this thing is loud that I call that my clon mod when I mod these, because it makes it sound more like a clon. It still, you know, cuts the bass a little bit and pushes the mids, but it's so much more open than these normally are and does sound a little bit more transparent um, <laughs> oh so, there it is yeah the first one uh, yeah yeah we need a bell ding <laughs> we, counter, did, we didn't even make it through the first episode without the uh, transparent overdrive reference well you know it's a thing and like people understand it i think a lot of people uh i, I think a lot of people view transparency as this right you know moonshine well, yeah <laughs> no, this is this is just absolute vodka um where transparency is more, uh, or how I think of it, uh, more like sunglasses. You know, mm. it adds a tint. It it shades everything. Uh, right. You can still see through it, but it's not exactly the same. Like if you want something that is completely clear and does nothing to your sound, you don't want an overdrive. You want a booster. Right. You know. So, but anyway, yeah, I know I I, I fall victim to the the mojo hype words and do all that and that. That that could be the perfect segue. <laughs> the mojo hype words. So yeah, I think I'm looking forward to this because, mm-hmm. for, you know, I wanna I wanna revisit this. When you was know, the last is... time you played one? All right, I'll show you. I have a. Uh, so I have this. This is a Jam Pedals um, double Dreamer. Mm. It's like a double kind of you know a two in one. Uh, tube screamer with a, a cool kind of boost circuit. Oh. Um, now, in, in all transparency, uh, they they did send me this last year. Um, nice. And I haven't I have used it on some videos before, but I've never featured it heavily, just because I, I will say of all the the tube screamer type pedals I've played, I do like this one probably. I would say the best, but again, take my words with a grain of salt here because I don't have a ton of experience with right. the tube screamer world. Mm-hmm. I just like this one because you can you can stack them in different ways. This is not a commercial, by the way. I'm <laughs> I'm not sponsored by or being paid by Jam to talk about this. Uh, I have this, and then I also have the shout out to Lawrence Petros. Oh the, yeah, uh, LPD Modern Classic, and this one I like too because it has a clean blend. Yeah, that that's a great interpretation. Yeah, uh, and and. If you're looking up Lawrence Petras, he just rebranded everything and is yeah. like, it looks great. Everything he's doing. Re- yeah. Redoing. So this one's pretty cool. It's a pre rebrand. So it's pretty rare. You know, <laughs> it's probably worth about 1200, 1300. OG. You know. Yeah. As much as the clon on my, where's it at? Right. Oh, yeah. Wait, there. your, your clon? Oh. <laughs> I can't there, point. Yeah. One. There it is. Found oh. it. 
That's going to be a thing. You're going to end up referencing the Klon every single episode. Yes, we went Klon that I have. I should like ha- hang it from a different point in the room. Uh, yeah, so that's that's what I've got. The, the Jam Pedals double, double Dreamer and the LPD Modern Class. Well, when was the last time you played a honest-to-goodness um, Ibanez? Oh, you know? uh, honestly, I don't know it's been years and it would have been in a music store when i was thinking about buying one i would pull it out just throw it in front of an amp real quick play it be like oh yeah i don't like these i think i think you're gonna be pleasantly surprised i i'm excited to see uh your reaction (laughs) what if i still hate it what are you gonna do i'm not gonna be mad at you i mean i i'm i don't know if i'll talk to you as much but you know (laughs) i think i think we'll be okay (laughs) yeah so I, I don't know. We'll see. I am excited to see how this this comes out. I think it's gonna be a fun video to make. Yeah. Um, and you know, hopefully people will learn something. I'm sure I'm gonna learn something from it. You know, it's but, it's uh, my favorite pedal to work on. Like, full stop. If if someone's wanting me to mod something and then they say it's a tube screamer, I'd be like, oh yeah, I love taking apart tube screamers. They're so like easy to mod. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and that's partly why there's so many people that still sell modded tube screamers on, you know, online. Right. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So speaking of the clone thing, mm-hmm. this is another thing you threw in the email and I thought this was a great idea for a topic because this is something I've been thinking about quite a bit recently. Yeah. So <laughs> this is literally what you said. Can I just say what you wrote yeah, in the, yeah. the email thread? This is great. Holy shit. Another clone of something. Will guitarists and builders move past regurgitating the same gear over and over again? How does marketing play into our gas? And if you're not familiar, gas is an acronym for gear acquisition syndrome. Mm-hmm. This is I, a great topic. Man. I don't know anyone that is immune to gas. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I fall victim to it every week. <laughs> yeah. So. I think it's human nature, man. It's this this innate drive we have to like collect and and sort of ho- own things. Yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. I have it all the time. But yeah, this is something that I I think about this a lot. I mean, obviously because I I make things. Uh, I I think about like the things I want to do and where I want to take you know my brand. But then when I ask people what they want, they say I want. A tube screamer. I want a tone bender. I want a fuzz face. I want the same thing that I can buy from anywhere else, but I want you to make it. Mm. And it's it's an interesting thing, and, it, and I think it's permeated the entire industry because there's more than just pedals, like amps, guitars. Like how many Fender clones are there? Like I would argue at least half of the guitars being made right now are probably Fender style guitars. Right. You know, like I don't. I just think. You look at something like the Novo and guys that are really pushing the boundaries of shapes and doing something new and genuinely different in a, in a very classic way, and some people really love it and some people really hate it, but it's at least it's something new, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I feel that way, too. It's like I, I kind of I'm, I'm of two minds about this because on the one hand, I, I sort of long for a period of music and guitar that I didn't actually live through, mm. right? The the 50s, 60s, 70s, um, not so much the 80s, not necessarily my bag, you know. No. But the guitars that I love, I'm a big Gibson fan. I love Gibson guitars. I'm a big Fender fan. I love old tellies. Yeah. Um, complicated relationship with the Strat, as we uh, mentioned earlier. But a lot of the guitars I have, like this is just what's sitting closest to me, you know, that's a modern just clone of something that you would have, well, not necessarily a clone, but a modern recreation of something that you would have bought in 1959, we'll say. Right, yeah. You know? So it's weird because if you think about other industries, like the car industry is not like this. No. Ford Ford's not reissuing 1967 Fastback Mustangs. No. Right? They still make the Mustang, but it looks right. and drives nothing like one from 67. You know, the the new Corvette, I don't know if you've seen that, the C8 Corvette. It's no. like a mid-engine supercar that has nothing to do with like a early 60s Corvette. <laughs> so why why do guitar players why does the guitar industry lean so heavily towards this like one era, re- arguably a 10 year period of time, right? You know, in guitar ma- manufacturing, 
pedals are a little bit different, but amps yeah. too. You know, there's basically three flavors of amp out there: Fender, Marshall, and Vox. You could throw Orange and High Watt in there too. But yeah, for all intents and purposes, there's three flavors of amplifier, and it seems almost everyone out there, with the exception of the high gain world, which admittedly I don't know that much about, mm-hmm. but the the world that you and I live in, right. It's like, oh yeah, this is a it's it's like a five e three Tweed Deluxe, but with a few mods. Or oh, it's an AC thirty. It's a top boost AC thirty with uh, it's a little tweaked or whatever, you know. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it honestly stems from because you're trying to sell something that I mean, especially right now. But if, if you're a small builder, if you're a small company, people might not be able to try your thing. And the only way they can understand what it might do is to relate it to something that they may have heard. Mm. And we kind of live in this realm of, of, um, you know, yesterday where we are just, we, we admire the things that have come before us so much that it's hard to think, you know, you know, to the future as far as like how to do something new. But then like, I, I say that and think, oh man, an amp that could do you know this and that and, and that and this would be really neat. But then I wouldn't buy it. I would buy a small, simple tube amp because that's what I know and like. Um, so it, I don't know it, it, the the thing about clones, and it, I think it's worse with pedals. I think pedals um, because with an amplifier, um, there's so much more you can you can do. Like so far as uh, aesthetics and making a statement, like a pedals, you know five or six inches of metal in a box that right. is cool on the floor. But like as much as I feel connected to pedals, um, I feel more connected to guitars and amps. And I think there's way more, like, I think people are more open-minded to, to kind of pushing the, their limits a little bit with those things. But with pedals, I feel like most people have a very narrow minded focus. And if you stray too far from the path, um, not everyone's going to get it. And it may just be a flop and you know, it, it's very discouraging for someone who's trying to make something to try to, to push the boundaries because most people just don't want that. They want they want this. And right. It, it's weird. Like, why? Well, you can still buy this. <laughs> there is a there's a movement happening though away from that, and I yeah. think it's it's so I'm 30. I think it's people younger than me, the, the post millennial generation, generation of guitar yeah. players. Um, and it, you see it on Instagram now. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of like a lot of the Instagram guitar players that are that are really big. The sound now is, at least that I see. It, this is a generalization, okay? So don't don't rip me apart in the comments. But the sound that I see generally across like this this kind of new movement is it's a lot of it's like a neo R and B kind of thing. So it's like they took neo soul yeah. and then revamped it, right? And so the guitar sounds are very clean. Oftentimes it's a plug-in. Most of the times yeah. they're playing, you know, one of the um neural DSP plugins or yeah. maybe, you know, a Helix or something like that. Um and they're playing oftentimes guitar like a Strandberg, for example, or they're playing yeah. an extended range guitar. So it's like you're you're blending this neo soul kind of sound with a progressive extended range headless guitar with maybe active pickups and a super clean digital amplifier or digital creation of an amplifier and what they end up doing because they're playing a completely new sound or a completely new type of rig the sound sounds nothing like what would happen in the 60s or 70s it's right very clean very very compressed oftentimes there's some kind of octave effect like an octave up effect blended in mm-hmm. along with it and the way they're playing it's like they're blending a neo soul uh type of you know chord voicing and voice leading sort of thing with the tapping and when you when you combine all that together with the hyper compression it's it's building this new type of guitar sound that i think especially from the instagram players Part mm-hmm. of the reason they're doing that is it works particularly well on phone speakers. That oh, right. super compressed, yeah. super clean, articulate guitar sound comes through your iPhone really well. And yeah. I think that's intentionally done. Um, so there is that movement of younger players. And I also think it's it comes from somewhat a, a culture of rejection, right? Like these right. younger players are tired of seeing this kind of stuff. They're tired of Les Pauls. They're tired of, you know, I mean, the Strats are arguably are pretty popular, but they're yeah. tired of like the traditional sort of guitar sounds that 
you know, their dads grew up with, yeah. you know, and they're doing their own thing, which, which I think is really cool. Because if you look back at our guitar heroes, that's what they were doing in their time. Right. Right. Like yeah. Stevie Ray Vaughan or Hendrix or Clapton, like they were completely changing the game at that place in time. Right. So I'm, I'm all for it, man. Well, you know, it's funny, like, cause I see that too. I see that whole aspect of like the Instagram guitarist. I mean, not, I don't follow as many people that play like that as maybe I should. But the thing I'm curious about is like, is that what guitar is in current popular music? Like, cause I don't really know. Like, cause when I think of pop music now and what p- most people are interested in that have guitar, it's mostly country. Um, which is which is kind of just like it's just rock guitar now. Yeah. Um, but like the whole like that whole thing, and I've heard I've seen a lot of people playing like the Strandbergs and, and those kind of guitars using like synths and that sort of thing instead of like you know actually you know using it as a guitar. Um, like where where does that fall into like the music spectrum of what's actually like charting or or you know or at least yeah trending because I don't we I should, have no idea about that. We should get Rod Castro on the show. Um, yeah, yeah, Rod's a Rod's a buddy of mine. Do you know Rod? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I met him yeah. at Nam. He's he's awesome. Mm-hmm. Really nice guy, and he is the dude to talk to about this because he is doing the thing right, right now. He's he's playing on all these sessions. Uh, he plays with a lot of these artists. He tours with a lot of these artists. I had him on my podcast back in January, and we talked about this. And you know what he said then was, you know, a lot of what the pop guitar producers the pop producers i should say that are looking for guitar sounds now is it's really more they want a texture rather Mm -hmm. than they don't want it to sound like a guitar right kind of hurts a little bit i'll admit you know uh but it that's what it is they want to make the guitar sound like something else i think a good reference for this right now and somebody i'm really really getting into is uh tom mish mish oh i've I've heard of him yes uh english guitar player cool artist singer vibe he just put out a cool new record um with a drummer uh yusef days that is very cool mm. and it is like this it's like a boom bap breakbeat kind of neo soul r&b hip-hop record that he's singing on that tom mish is singing and playing guitar on and his guitar sounds i'm really inspired by it. it's a lot of very heavy modulation, a pretty clean guitar sound, but mm-hmm. very heavy, you know, vibrato, slow vibrato or chorus modulation, things like that. That, And it's it's about the chord voicings that he's playing. It's about how the guitar is interacting with the drums specifically uh, and the drum sounds, which I think is really cool. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, everyone should go check out that that new Tom Mish record. Actually, let me look it up so I can cool. plug it properly. Um, yeah, it's it's a... You know, it's an interesting thing because I don't know if this whole culture of regurgitation will ever really go away. You know, yeah. like, will the Les Paul go away? Will the Strat go away? Uh, what kind of music is what it's called? There we go. Uh, Tom Mish and Yusef Days. The, uh, the, I think the single is called um, uh, Night Rider. And nice. I would play it, but we're, you know, we're going to get copyright <laughs> strike. But this is... Uh, that's a cool record, I think, to check out for the part of the modern guitar sound. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I, I really need to dive into. I mean, may, I mean, just from a business perspective, I should yeah. know what people, because I know modulation is really big right now. I feel like there's like a, we're, I mean, the guitar sounds are, I feel like pretty cyclical for the most part. And like it's the eighties and that sort of like rack thing is, is in vogue at the moment so it is it is but it's being reinvented right it, it, yeah it's not like uh steve lukather playing a super strat through ten thousand dollars worth of rat gear it's right. like it's it's basically very lo-fi mm-hmm. it, it's like part of the lo-fi hip-hop movement i think it's, yeah absolutely it's, it's it's turning your guitar into a lo-fi hip-hop kind of sound mm-hmm. but then there's also this movement that i've been kind of getting into and experimenting with a lot recently which is um sort of a more of a sound design thing Mm. i I came up with a sound yesterday using a combination of pedals and some plugins some ua plugins back here that sounded nothing like a guitar but it was killer it was Hmm. really really cool and i I think that stuff is really fascinating i also see this rising in popularity like alongside the modular synthesis world like 
modular yeah. synth is blowing up right now. And and that is something that I don't understand. I mean, I, I understand like like why it's appealing, but I don't know anything at all about it. You know, like how you use it, how you know how any of it works. Like I don't it looks cool, but yeah, you know, I, I don't I just don't get it. And I think I'm just too um, I, I try to be really open-minded, but I just don't, I don't know if I have the mental capacity to drive down another road of yeah. gear. I mean, not that I would ever be interested in buying that stuff. Cause that's just not me. Like if I'm, if I'm, I always had, I had this, I had an epiphany once, um, when I was playing rock band, remember that game? Oh yeah. Uh, and I was like practicing the song, or no, no, it was Guitar Hero. It was before Rock Band. I was playing Guitar Hero, like the first one on like PS2 or something. And I was like sitting there clicking the little plastic guitar. And I had my guitars like sitting behind me. And I was like, what am I doing? <laughs> like, I have this instrument that I will never master, that I still am so hungry to get better at. Why should I waste time doing anything else that is even closely in this field? And I kind of feel like that for, for most other instruments because guitar for me is uh, something I'm so excited about. I just never get to, to you know, really dive headfirst into it. I guess I see it more as like a, an, a way to augment what yeah. I'm doing on guitar. I'm really fascinated with the modular synth world. And I think I am going to start getting into it pretty soon. I've spent the last six months, like kind of looking at it and lurking around like some modular synth forums and talking to some friends of mine that are into it. Um, I love Moog stuff. For example, I love right. It's it's just another. The thing I've learned, the epiphany that I've actually had recently. Speaking of epiphanies, is I'm, you know, guitar is my chosen outlet, my chosen instrument, and I love the guitar. And I have that same sort of idea of yeah, this is something that I I will spend the rest of my life pursuing and getting, you know, trying to get better at. Right. Um, but I'm interested in the craft. And I'm interested in sounds. Right. I, I really love sounds. I love drums. <clears throat> love. I can't play drums to save my life. I will right. never be a drummer. It's not even worth my time trying to practice. But I love drums and I love drum sounds and s- listening to drum sounds and trying to figure out how they got those those that production and the sounds and everything. To me, the modular synth world, it's it's the next step beyond the pedal world. Right. right? Yeah. It, oh, yeah. It's, it's essentially like, you know, building a modular synth is similar to building a pedal board, right? You, you yeah. think about, okay, what do I want this thing to do? Do I want it to just be a regular synth? Do I want to get a generative synthesis? Do I want, I mean, there's so many different way, different rabbit holes or rabbit trails you can go down. Yeah. And then you start picking your modules. You start picking, like you would pick pedals. Like, oh man, I need, I need a phaser. Oh, I need a fuzz. Oh, I need a good delay, right? Yeah. You start putting the stuff together and it's all about signal flow and mm-hmm. patching things and patching things in unique ways and creating sounds. I mean, it's, if you're into pedals, if you're into sounds and sound design and creation and the craft of all that stuff, I think for guitar players specifically, modular synthesis makes a lot of sense because we already have the experience of building a system, like taking a bunch of different pedals are modules, right? This is a module. And it's, it's the process of putting your own unique system. There's no two pedal boards out there for the most part that are the same. Well, right. uh... (laughs) I mean, for all intents and purposes, unless you're trying to clone something, right? Like, my pedal board is going to look different than your pedal board, right? right? Yeah. And and modular synthesis is the same way. And, yeah. and I think, when you look at what you can do with guitar through a modular synth, it's it's cool. So you can you can plug a guitar into like see I don't even know like I like I see it and it's like oh do you play it with a keyboard? Do you have like a signal generator? Like I don't even know how. Literally, it works. you can do anything. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. You could do it. You I, can, like a generative synthesis is a module, and this is what I want to get into. It's, you build a modular synth system and you give it parameters. Okay. You say, I want you to use these notes and I want you to create a sequence with this many steps and I want the sequence to repeat this many times and then you just let it go. And okay. it creates <clears throat> music. It's See, I, wild. I watched um, th- some of the behind the scenes on The Mandalorian, uh, the TV yeah. show, and the guy that did the music had, a, I mean, a wall of modular 
stuff. Uh, it was crazy. And he was like making, and I, I recognize the sounds from the show that he's using to create like the soundscapes and the, in the soundtrack. Um, yeah. but it just like kind of like boggled my mind. Like I just like, I can't wrap my head around it, but it, yeah. it's definitely interesting. And I know, I mean, there's a lot of pedal dudes who are like doing that too. Yeah. Um, so Strymon's I mean, doing it. Strymon's been yeah. in that game for a while. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah, man. So that's what we should do. Mythos, you should just transition <sighs> completely out of guitar effects and just start making modules. No, 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 You'll no, figure no. it out. I, I, I mean, like the one, th- the, the thing that I, I often think about doing is just like not making any normal stuff and just doing fancy hand wired things. And that's the only other thing I can see myself doing uh, <laughs> oh, that man. or like every time I go to Novo, uh, I'm like, I leave there thinking, I just, I just want to work here. I just want to work here and get paid a decent wage and like make guitar pedals on the weekend. <laughs> Dude, they, that, that is a really cool workplace. Yeah. Like I, every time I go there, I, I don't, I don't think I could work there, but I, we, I end up hanging out there pretty much the whole day. Yeah. Well, when, whenever I go, I always end up just talking to everybody about like business strategy and stuff. And it's like, I like, I, we don't talk about, guitars or tone or anything like that we're just talking about you know i think this is a good way to like market and reach new customers and maybe like you know <laughs> stuff like that yeah so like i mean i i think i, I talked to morgan about it uh, my wife about it a lot thinking you know because i remember once when i was like m- like it was not soon after i met those guys i text uh matthew and was like hey you know if this pedal thing doesn't work out can i have a job and he's like oh yeah <laughs> so yeah I but know. dude i would argue the pedal thing's working out it's fine well. it's fine it's fine <laughs> it's, it's fine i yeah we're, we're about to get a couple more dealers uh one in canada finally mm. uh and then um one in denmark uh, effect peddler uh that's cool they, they have a great cool name. instagram uh and there's a few others so yeah i mean it's fine that's just like it, i can i have a really hard time doing the same thing over and over for like years like it's yeah really, i do too I get really restless. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yep. you know, yep. it is what it is. So I think, you know, to, to kind of, uh, to revisit that idea. Yeah. I think the clone thing <laughs> and the, the reissue thing will always be part of guitar because yeah, I mean, look, man, the, the sixties and the seventies and fifties, sixties, seventies, that, that 40 or 50 year span was arguably, you know, it was the golden age of, of guitar playing and guitar right. music. We may not ever get back to that, mm-hmm. um, which is a, a discussion on its own. Right. But I think because it was so influential and because it had such an impact on just culture across the board at the time, I think we're always going to have a pretty large sector of the guitar market, maybe even the majority of the guitar market that is interested in playing the stuff of the golden age. I mean, that's right. that's me. I'm I'm not interested in playing a Strandberg guitar. I know they're yeah. they're amazing instruments and they're incredibly well made and you know the people that play them love them. It's mm-hmm. it is just personally my anti guitar. And this is not a dig at Strandberg right. by the way if anybody's no, I, watching. I like, totally agree. Yeah, yeah, it's I can't get past the no headstock thing. It just yeah. <laughs> I it works. Can't do it. They're, they're, you know, and they play well. I've played a few of them, and they're like, you know, they're cool. I just like, and it's one of those things that I, I, I see them and I'm like, I could buy one of those, and then they would just like live in its gig bag, yeah. uh, you know, in my closet. But, you know, it's it's funny. Like art, just in general, is something that everyone is inspired by someone, and like you can forever go backwards and like find new things by learning about even the most current person, like what's inspired them, and um, you know it all goes back to the, the heyday of, of, you know, musical instruments for the most part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I agree. I think that we'll never be able to escape it. I, I just hope that, um, you know, I, the thing I, I struggle with the most, at least from my own personal perspective is trying to let people understand that just because something isn't exactly a copy of something else, it's still really good. Um, mm. cause I feel like you have to really prove yourself like my, my Herculean, is based off this, but it is not this yeah. at all. And when people say, I don't really like tube screamers, I'm like, there, it's a hard sell because they don't understand that just because something's based off this 
doesn't mean that it is this, you know. Right. And, and even then, this is based off a of boss pedal, you know. Right. It's not even, I don't know. That's I a, think the important thing here is to keep an open mind. Yeah. Which I don't always do. Same. Um, <laughs> you know, but I, I think that is important to come into something you know, like the Strandberg thing for me, trying to keep an open mind about it. And and I, I think I do for the most part, like with that type of guitar and that type of, you know, that style of playing. It's like, yeah, I'm, I've tr- I, I keep an open mind about it. I know people that play those guitars. Keith from Five Watt World has one and he mm. absolutely loves it. And, yeah. and we like a lot of the same music and a lot of the same style. So it's like, obviously, there's something about those guitars, you know. But Well, yeah, style I, isn't limited to an instrument, you know. Right. Um, and I think a lot of times we fall victim to that thinking like if you're going to play Stevie, you got to play a Strat or if you're going to play, you know, Jimmy Page riffs, you have to have a Les Paul. And that's not, it couldn't be further from the truth. Dude, I played, uh, we, we played since I've been loving you mm-hmm. on the last backstage live show. Yeah. And I played it on my Strat because the Strat was in E flat and we had to, we tuned down for Noah to sing it and to right. avoid copyright strike. Um, and uh, where we played it, we played it in B flat, so it made sense to play a guitar that was a half step down. And I, I've gotten a few dozen comments that were like, "Why are you playing Zeppelin on a Strat?" Exactly. Like, was your Les Paul in the shop? Where's your Les Paul? It's like, I is that is this illegal? Right. <laughs> Am I going to go to jail? Am I going to go to the Gear Page jail or something because uh, I, I used a Strat on Zeppelin? I mean, and half the people, if there was no video, they wouldn't know the difference. You know? Yeah. They, like, yeah. They wouldn't I, know. I, 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 um, I get it, you know, cause I mean, I'm the same way. Like when I play, when I want to learn, I have I was digging out all my tab books. Um, oh boy. and I found my ZZ top book, which is, it's a great, like it's a very well tabbed out tab book. I was like, Oh, I got to bust out my Les Paul. I was like, no, I don't like, you know, I no. can play it on anything. So play it on the Novo. Yeah. Well, play it hey. on the Revolta, whatever. You but, know? Yeah. I think, yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a weird, uh, Guitarists are just weird. We're just we're we're weird people. <laughs> we're we're oftentimes very fundamentalist and very yeah. stuck in our ways and very close minded. And you know what? I think we need to change. Mm-hmm. I think I think as a as a guitar community, and this is a generalization, right? I'm not talking to anybody specifically here, but just you know, I, I've been on in public online for two and a half years, and uh, I've I've been on the receiving end of a lot of praise and the receiving end of a lot of hate, yeah. which is whatever it's part of part of the game. But some of the, the hate that I've gotten over the years, I think is just completely unfounded and based in like a, a weird sort of fundamentalist view of what music and what guitar is and what it has to be. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, man, this is art and right. there are no rules. There's yeah. no rules that says this is how you have to do this. Yeah. And if you're not playing a Les Paul on a Zeppelin song, you're wrong. I it I just think we need to we need to open our minds. Yeah. Yeah, bit. absolutely. Yeah. It's called play for a reason. Yeah. So, you know. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we've just about covered it. I think so. I think I, I don't think we have to do any more. No, I think this is it. <laughs> yeah, a one perfect. and done. We're one hit wonder podcast. That's not true. <laughs> uh don't forget to subscribe. We are going to be doing these weekly dipped in tone podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, you know, we're just getting this thing ramped up, getting it yeah. started. So we're gonna have uh, we're gonna have merch and stuff available. We're kicking around the idea of some kind of you know, a club style thing, fan page support group. Yeah, we're figuring <laughs> this out. We want it to to be fun and something that we enjoy doing and a fun outlet for us. Uh, but we want you guys to be involved. So yeah. don't forget to email dippedintone at gmail dot com with uh, topic suggestions with questions. We'll probably get a voicemail box going up sometime soon, maybe by the next episode. And, uh, you know, watch us on YouTube, YouTube Dipped in Tone podcast, and you can find it in audio form where all fine podcasts are downloaded. Anything else we got to plug? I don't guess so. We could say where we're from. I don't think we ever said, you know, like what the YouTube channel is and... (laughs) I don't imagine there's a lot of people just stumbling into this podcast that don't You never know. know, you know, when this thing hits a million views and, you know, is oh being shared all over YouTube, you know, people might need to know. All <laughs> so. right. Well, where are you from, Zachary? Uh, I am Zach from Mythos Pedals. You can find me at mythospedals.com or on Instagram. Same name, all the same stuff. 
and I am Rhett from Rhett Shull. <laughs> Rhett.com. I'm from Rhett.com. <laughs> uh, yeah, I play guitar and make uh, videos about playing guitar on the internet. So there you that, go. That's it. We're not, I don't think we're going to do like an Instagram for the, the show. We talked about yeah. it and we're like, nah. we're, we're just going to use our personal stuff to like share and promote it and connect with people. But yeah, I think, I think the biggest part of the community will probably live as far as like connection on YouTube comments and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think YouTube is the best platform for this because we can actually engage with everyone, get the comments going. Yeah. We want this to be an open discussion. So if we said something today that just royally pissed you off and you're, you're hate, commenting <laughs> by all means let us know well, but We're do the thing and like type it and then walk away and then read it and then post right it. So. right would you send this to your coworker? that's right How about that <laughs> in most cases probably yes mm. um awesome all right well i imagine there's some kind of outro music playing here i don't know we haven't recorded it yet but there will be something here so uh thanks everyone for listening or watching to the first episode we'll see y'all next week see ya